Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of China. This is a podcast that I wanted to share. It's going to be a short podcast, but it is a message to you if you are a part of a church, you're a pastor of a church, you're leadership of church, you're a part of the missions of the church, or you're a part of a missions organization. This is one simple thing that you can do to help future missions. This is exclusive. I don't think that anybody else is sharing this anywhere else, but it is coming from our experience of working in frontline missions over the last 20 some odd years. There's one thing that you can do to help future missions right now. One simple little thing. And that is start an account in euros or another foreign currency. So many churches in the world, especially if you're in Europe, if you're in Europe and you're listening to this, if you're in Australia and you're listening to this, if you're in Singapore, Hong Kong, Japan, and you're a mission organization or you're a church that supports missions, start a bank account in another foreign currency besides U.S. dollars. That is the future of missions. That is the future of supporting missions. Why do I say that? In the last mm, 15 years, we've seen banks go through a massive transformation, especially under the two administrations back in the United States, we saw a big push for anti-terrorism. And the anti-terrorism, it was, it was understood that one of the best ways to fight terrorism is not through battles on the ground, not through fighting, but to strangle the finances of the terrorist organizations. Banking is key. I, and this, this has a long history. I mean, throughout history, um, it has been understood that if you can choke the finances of an underground agitating unit, you can stop them. I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but Al Capone, one of the biggest mobsters in U.S. history, was not brought down for all, any of the, the countless murders that he actually was guilty of. He wasn't brought down for his bootlegging of moonshine. He wasn't brought down because of his string of prostitution rings. He wasn't brought down because of his violence or torturing people. He was brought down because of accounting, not paying his taxes. An auditor came in, started looking at his bank account activities, was able to link them, to an income that was not being reported, had him arrested, and put in prison. 
Since that time, one of the most powerful units within the CIA, the um, Scotland Yard, the Israeli intelligence, any of the big intelligence sectors around the world, doesn't matter who you are. If you are wanting to do espionage, spy work, anti-espionage, anti-spy work, the best way to do that is through finances. Follow the money and you can stop the crime. So after 9-11, the U.S. government specifically began to focus on anti-money laundering for specifically Islamic terrorist groups. But a lot of those rules were implemented to stop activities that also have to do with everyday church activities. It wasn't necessarily because of, when it comes to those that were a part of administrating the different rules that were deployed, but I believe it was a strategy of the enemy. And so over the years, we saw it slowly creeping in, where it became, where it grew harder and harder to get money onto the field in closed countries, money onto the field in North Korea, money onto the field in China, money onto the field in India. Places where the good news of Jesus Christ has never been heard before, Christian organizations have been able to work in those areas. Even if they haven't been able to work, it was because of the local government, not because of the European government or the Canadian government or the American government. But today, a lot of mission activities are stopped dead in its tracks by the European government, the Canadian government, the Australian government, the American government, many of these Western governments that have deployed anti-money laundering, anti-terrorist banking strategies have stopped mission activities altogether. I have watched organization after organization drop by the wayside that used to work in India only 10 years ago, no longer working in those nations. Why? Because it's no longer possible to get money to the field in the legal way. So the only way to get money into those areas is through illegal ways. One of my trips into India in 2019, we were supposed to have a massive conference, a conference that was canceled because a pastor was arrested carrying funds, funds that were meant to be given to missionaries and evangelists in India. He was arrested, detained, questioned, and his money was targeted. That sent a chilling message to missionary organizations around the world that thought, okay, well, we can't do bank transfers to India anymore. Now we'd have to carry in cash, but now cash is a no-go. Try going to your bank and taking out $100,000, $50,000. It's not easy. Some cases, not even possible. Today is much different than it was just 10 years ago. 10 years ago, if I wanted to take out $100,000 in Hong Kong, I was given a cookie and a cup of tea to wait as they counted the money and put it in a bag or an envelope for me to take into other countries like China, North Korea, India, Pakistan. 
No longer. Those days are long gone. I remember when they first started asking me, why do you need a hundred thousand US dollars? I was completely incensed by the idea that they would even ask me. I was like, how dare you ask me? It's my money. It's in my account. And to be a little bit cheeky, I would respond to them and say, I want to take it home, put it in my bathtub and lay in it naked. It's basically my message to say, what business of it is, what business of it is of yours? There, there, you have no right to ask me. It's my money. I'm taking it out. I can use it for what I will, whatever I want to. Now, that's not the case. Now that's a normal question. Now that's a mild question. Because today, the questions are a lot more intrusive. They ask you not only what do you want to use this money for, they ask you, where's this money going? Who's going to use it? What are they going to use it for? Where did you get the money? Who sent it to you? How did they get it? Not only do you have to say where it's going, you have to say where it came from. And they demand it. Okay, well, I'm not going to use banks anymore. Good luck on that one. That was one of the things that COVID did in building a cashless society. Okay, so where does the whole idea of starting a, a, a Euros bank account come into play or a foreign currency bank account come into play? Very simply. Today, we send funds to the field from one bank account to another bank account. We'll send funds from an origin bank account that is run by a missionary that is not a U.S. citizen at a bank that is not in America, a bank company that is not an American bank company. So you have a foreigner in a foreign nation with a foreign bank sending the money to a foreign bank, a foreign national, in a foreign country. At no time is the U.S. involved. When we make those transfers in euros or another currency, we see that currency arrive within hours. The moment we send it in U.S. dollars, then we have a problem. You see, whenever money is sent in U.S. dollars, there's usually or more times than not an intermediary bank. The intermediary bank that is acts as kind of a an oversight from bank to bank transfers, international transfers, making sure that everything is in line with international standards for that transfer, especially when it's in U.S. dollars. So even though we are sending money from one country to another country, from one citizen that's not an American to another citizen that's not an American, from one bank that is not a U.S. bank to another bank that's not a U.S. bank, but we send the transfer in U.S. dollars, which is an international currency then the transfer goes through the U.S., through an intermediary bank. And we have found now, as a Christian organization, our money comes back. No reason given. Transfer failed. After weeks of waiting, where did the money go? Why did the money not come to us? We've actually had America hold up our transfers. And they have the power to not let it go through and to keep the money and not give us a reason why. We've been fortunate enough to get our money back every single time, minus the exorbitant fees that we've had to pay in order to do the international transfers. 
Now, when we work with our current partners, we ask them, is it possible for you to, I just had a partner this morning that we're working together with, doing production for us in Malaysia of a secret Bible that we have invented. It's beautiful printing a secret Bible in a Muslim country. Love it. But they have a U.S. dollar bank account because they're a big organization, a big factory, and they take money from uh, all different customers around the world, and they, they do all of their transactions in U.S. dollars. So when we send money to their U.S. dollar account, guess what? The money never arrives. So with our partners in the future, we've asked, please open up an account in another foreign currency. It can be ringgits. It can, it can be pesos. It can be euros, preferably euros. It can be Swiss francs. It can be anything. Just not U.S. dollars. If you are a church that is heavily involved in end-time missions, wanting to support the good news of Jesus Christ to be preached in closed countries, my advice would be to set up a foreign currency account in a non-U.S. bank with a non-U.S. citizen in a non-U.S. country to be able to do those transfers. Just an idea in one way that you can help future missions with very little effort. I want to thank you so much for joining us for this Back to Jerusalem podcast. I pray that this information was a help to you. Thank you for downloading this Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of China. God bless.